wondering if I have uh, shown you a picture of my baby lately. It's been a while since I've talked to you about him, and I thought maybe it's uh, about time I happen to have a picture in my wallet. Cute little fellow. <laughs> Here he is. See? And that's done? Just as handsome as his dad. <laughs> uh, well, it's a small picture, I realize, but babies are small. I've noticed that. Oh, they come in different sizes. They're, they're peak babies, and they're regular babies, and they're jumbo babies, and <laughs> they're fly babies. But uh, basically, you can always spot a baby. Anytime I'm in a crowd, I look around, and there's people, there's a, there's a man here, there's a woman there, there's another man there, and there's another woman over here, and then down on the floor, there's this little thing crawling around, getting in everything, and, and that's the baby. I can always spot it. But you know, spotting spiritual babies is a little harder than spotting physical babies. For you see, spiritual babies don't come in any particular size or age. In fact, it has nothing to do with size or age, but there are spiritual babies. In fact, the Bible says there are four levels of maturity for Christians. And in here in Hebrews chapter 5, and in places like uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says there are spiritual babes. Nothing to do with age, nothing to do with size. And then in 1 John we know there are young spiritual young children, there are spiritual young adults, there are spiritual parents. So you have four levels of spiritual growth listed in the Bible. And this morning I want to talk about just that first level, that is spiritual infants. How to tell a baby Christian. There are, I think, listed here in Hebrews chapter 5, at least four different signs of how to tell a uh, baby Christian. The first one is found there in verse 11. It says, they have become dull of hearing. Babies are dull of hearing. Now I've noticed some physical babies. They're just dull of hearing. I, the other day I sat down with Aaron and I said, okay, Aaron, I'm, I'm, there's some things I need to talk to you about. I said, now look, you're seven months old. You ought to learn a few things. And one of the first things is, I do not want you anymore to eat the newspaper. Now, I explained to him that it was not food. It was not good for him. I told him how, how it looked on his mouth when he got the black ink all over. <laughs> I explained it in rational concepts. And when I was through, he reached down, he picked up a newspaper, he watered it up, and he crammed it in his mouth. Now, he was dull of hearing. Spiritual babies are also dull of hearing. That it just doesn't seem to fit, sink in what God wants to tell them. Now, actually, in the Greek, there are three different meanings of that word dull of hearing. It can mean lazy, it can mean careless, and it can also mean sluggish. Spiritual babies can be lazy and careless and sluggish about what they hear. Now, you know, let's take a look at lazy, about lazy. Lazy hearing is when you don't let the sound wave that hits your ear ever sink into your mind. Now, this happens when children get a little bit bigger, you know, than Aaron is, and they're in the room playing, and you go in there and say, all right, it's time to go to bed tonight. I want you to pick up all your toys and go to bed. And the kid just keeps right on playing. And finally, he's done the second time, and the third time, he said, didn't you hear? Well, yes, he heard. The sound waves hit his ears, but it never did get from the ear to the brain. It just didn't register. It's lazy here. So it is with young Christians, baby Christians. They're lazy in what they hear. Um, 
A lot of Christians, for instance, would agree with uh, the theme of the French Revolution, that is, uh, that mankind is basically good. There are a lot of baby Christians that say, well, by and large, well, folks are pretty decent and honest, and, and everybody's trying to live a decent life, right? Wrong. The Bible never tells us that at all. How many baby Christians have ever read John chapter 3? Oh, well, most everybody has, especially right around there, John chapter 3, 16, and all of those. Well, good. Then you should know John 3, 19. It says, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. This means that mankind basically is evil. This means that the kindly old man down the street loves evil more than good. And so does everybody else before they know Christ. And if that hasn't sunk in, you've got a lazy mind and you're still a baby Christian. Now, a second definition for that word dull of hearing can be careless. People are careless. Now, careless is not lazy. That is, it doesn't, not that it doesn't reach your mind, but careless is, it reaches your mind, but you just don't act upon what you've heard. This happens when, when children, you know, you get them aside and you say, now, Johnny, I don't want you to go out in the road and play. Don't play in the street. Now, here's the reasons. You know, um, you're going to get run over. You get yourself hurt. Your mother's going to be worried. And the tar is going to stick to your bare feet. So don't go out there and play in the road. And you go through all those reasons. And you say, Johnny, did you hear? Yeah. Did you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And an hour later, there he is out the road playing. Now, I heard and he got to his brain and he understood. But he become careless in doing what he understood. Same thing happens to Christians. For instance, every Christian knows, even a baby Christian, that your faith in Christ is the only thing that brings you to God. It's not of works, but of faith. And most everyone has heard or can, has memorized, even as young Christians, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, and not of works that no one should boast. And yet, at the same time, I still hear baby Christians going around saying, well, you know, if you do your best, that's all God requires. If you try to live a good life, I'm sure God won't punish you. Hogwash! That's not what Scripture says. It says you come to God by faith in Christ alone. Some people are just careless baby Christians because they've never acted upon what they've heard. Now, that word dull of hearing can also mean sluggish. Sluggish is slowing down the time it takes to understand something till it takes to carry it out. Now, that happens, I found, when children are, are, are much older, just as well as when they're much younger. For instance, you can, you can say something like, son, I'd like for you to uh, mow the lawn. And uh, a couple of days go by, and the lawn's not mowed. And then you say, well, uh, I really want you to mow the lawn. And they say, oh, you mean this week? And then you say, well, yes, uh, I'd like to mow the lawn today. And, oh, yeah, Dad, sure, I'll do it. And about 6.30, it starts to get dark, and the lawn isn't mowed, and you sort of bring it up again and say, well, you know, the lawn isn't mowed. Oh, I'm going to do it. Don't worry. I, I'm going to do it. They've become sluggish in carrying out what they've heard and what they've understood. That's being dull of hearing. The same thing happens to baby Christians. They're sluggish. For instance, every one of you have heard that Jesus once said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off and throw it away. Now, obviously, he didn't mean to mutilate your body, but what he meant was if you have sin in your life, attack it instantly, get rid of it, and get it out of your life. The sooner the better. Now, you've all heard that. You understand that. But a baby Christian will be, son, well, I'll get around to it someday, sooner or later. 
A baby Christian looks at that passage and says, God, this, this week? Yeah, right now. So a baby Christian is dull of hearing. The second way you can tell a baby is that babies cannot teach others. Now, you know, there are some things, and this is found in, in verse 12. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you. There are some things I can expect my seven-month-old son Aaron to do. I can expect him to uh, pick up and hold his toys. I can expect him to sit in his chair there and eat his toast. I can expect him to gurgle and coo at his stuffed animals. I can expect him to shout for joy when he sees his mother. I can expect him to grab everything he can get a hold of and put it in his mouth. But there are some things that I do not expect him to do. I don't expect him to work crossword puzzles, or drive a pickup, or make his bed, or read Tolstoy's novels, or teach piano lessons. However, in 5 or 10 or 15 years, there should be a lot more things I have a right to expect, and so it is in your Christian life. Maybe Christians can't do a lot of things. Maybe Christians can pray daily, they can attend Sunday school, they can read their Bible, they can know uh, what's happened in their life and share that with others. But I don't expect a baby Christian to write a sermon or to explain predestination or to teach an adult Sunday school class. But after a person has been a Christian for a number of years, they should be able to do more and more things. In fact, I'd like to say that after you've been a Christian four years, you ought to be in the business of teaching. Teaching. Hebrews 5.12, look at it again. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul wrote to Timothy, And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, I'm not talking about a special gift of teaching where you have a large class. I'm talking about understanding Christian principles so well that you can tell them to somebody else and they can understand them so well that they can tell them to somebody else. That's teaching. It needs to happen in the homes and at work and with your colleagues, with your friends, and with your neighbors. And I think every Christian who's been a Christian four years ought to be in the process of teaching. Now, how did I come up with four years? In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote, And brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were yet able, not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able. Paul is saying to the Corinthians that they are still babes in Christ. Paul is appalled that they are still babes in Christ, but they are. He is amazed that they haven't passed through infancy, through childhood, and reached maturity yet in Christ. Now let's review what happened in Corinth. In the year 50, uh, in the springtime around March, Paul went to the town of Corinth and started a ministry. There weren't any Christians there, and he began to preach and teach. He stayed there 18 months, till sometime in September of the year 51. So for 18 months he was their pastor. Then he left. And then problems came up, and they sent men to Paul, and Paul wrote this letter called 1 Corinthians, probably in January of the year 54. Three years and three quarters, three and three quarter years after he first set foot in Corinth and the first conversion. The oldest any Christian could have been there was three and three quarter years. And yet Paul looks at them and says, you are still baby Christians. 
And I have to go all over this, this elementary stuff all over again. After three and three quarter years, you should be teaching others. Now, Paul is amazed. And I want you to remember that they only had a pastor like Paul for 18 months. And they had no New Testament scriptures. And they probably only had fragments of Old Testament truth. And yet Paul is so dismayed about their immaturity. Because in that length of time, they haven't grown up at all. Now, let me share with you what I think a Christian, anybody who's been a Christian following the Lord for four years, ought to be able to know. Let me give you an example. I think if you've been a Christian for four years, you ought to be able to answer the following questions about a foundation belief of ours that has to do with baptism. For instance, if you've been a Christian, you should be able to answer, why do we baptize? You should be able to answer what our baptism signifies and seals, what spiritual truth. You should be able to answer what two things must always precede one's baptism. You should be able to tell how many baptisms there are. You should be able to tell why a person is baptized in public worship. Now, if you can't answer and explain your answers about something as basic as that, after being Christian for four years, you're still a baby Christian. And you need to learn. Baby Christians cannot teach others. A third, a third sign of a baby, and that is babies have a very restricted diet. Very restricted. I look at Aaron's lunch and I, oh boy. I'm glad it's not mine. I mean, over on one side of the dish, there's that meat, and it's a, it's a little hunk of gray stuff. I mean, I don't care if they call it veal or beef or turkey or chicken. It's just a little lump of, uh, oh, it looks like cold oatmeal or something. There it is. And in the middle, there's vegetables. Oh, they're great. You can't tell the peas from the spinach. You can't tell the squash from the carrots. It's just sort of soupy-looking stuff there. And then, of course, there's the fruit that all looks the same, too. But he liked it. And he couldn't eat any more than that because that's what he can digest. But the favorite thing about Aaron's mealtime, the thing he looks forward to most, and the thing he has the greatest delight in the entire world about, is grabbing hold of his body and getting that milk into his mouth. Now, we expect babies at seven months old to eat that kind of food and to drink milk from a bottle. But if he were 5 years old or 15 years old or 50 years old and still held on to a bottle in such a way, it would be pathetic. And yet some Christians have been Christians for 20 years and are lugging around their spiritual bottles and blankets. Baby Christians have a very restricted diet. Hanging on to misconceptions about things you should understand is like eating strained veal when you could be chomping down on a porterhouse steak. Now, what's the baby food in a Christian's life? The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, you have that open there. He said, now let me tell you about the baby food. In chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings, and that means baptism, and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. 
Now the writer says those are foundation truths. Every Christian needs to understand those things. He listed five. But he said, that's something you move on from. Don't spend your whole life trying to debate and understand those. Grab a hold of them. Understand it. And you go on towards maturity. And yet there are a lot of baby Christians still debating such things as eternal judgment. Some saying, well, maybe there isn't any judgment. And some saying, oh, we must already be condemned. And some unsure when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. And they go around and around with the same old doctrine. But in comparison, a mature believer understands such a thing as eternal judgment. A mature believer understands that the judgment is already over. John 3.18 says, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. A mature believer knows that the penalty for judgment is carried out after death. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, after this comes judgment. A mature believer knows that punishment is assured. John 3, 36, he who does not believe in the Son, he who does believe has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. A mature believer knows that as far as eternal judgment is concerned, the Christians have nothing to fear. John tells us, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. You see, a mature Christian is able to understand this baby food, these basic doctrines, and move on towards maturity. But the baby Christian is just tossed to and fro with every thought of judgment. The fourth sign for telling a baby Christian, and that is babies are immature, that is, unable to discern good and evil. I've noticed this with Aaron. He really doesn't yet understand good and evil. There's been one person in his life that's been one of the most important people in his life so far, as far as his physical health is concerned. This person has, has helped him to become immune to childhood diseases that uh, have killed infants for centuries. And yet every time Aaron sees the doctor, he screams. He hates the doctor. Now he is not able to discern good and evil yet. In fact, he's not able to discern good and evil for other people. One of his favorite pastimes is when we're playing, you get over close to Daddy and reach out to Daddy's arm, or if I have on my tennis shorts, he reaches out to my leg, and he gets his two little fingers, and he reaches for one of those hairs on my arm, and he pinches the flesh real tight and twists and pulls. He thinks it would be great delight to pull a few of those out. And I have to convince him that that's evil, and that hurts. An infant's unable to discern good and evil. So a baby Christian is also unable to discern. There are a lot of baby Christians that seem to have a certain statements in their life and live according to those statements that show they have not learned discernment at all. I hear baby Christians say things like, well, it doesn't matter if you're married or not as long as you love each other. Baloney. It matters. Other baby Christians say, well, I'm, I'm not going to let anybody take advantage of me. Why not? Jesus did. Other people say, well, every woman ought to have the right to choose whether a living, growing baby in her womb should live or die. That's absurd. Nobody gave you that right. Other people say, well, we ought to take every one of those Iranian demonstrators and bash their heads in and send them back to the Ayatollah. Absolutely infantile. And some say, why in the world should we waste our money on trying to help refugees in Asia? They got themselves into a fix. Let's let them get themselves out. But such statements are unworthy of Christian maturity. 
They exhibit an inability to tell good from evil, an ability that is learned in verse 14 by those who practice and train the senses to discern. Now, let me say that I love my little boy, all of my boys, and I love my baby Aaron. But I don't want him to stay a baby forever. I really don't. I want him to grow up. It would be a ridiculous sight to have a 20-year-old baby in diapers with a bottle. And yet there are far too many old baby Christians around in this world. You can tell them by the dullness of the hearing. You can tell a baby Christian by the lack of ability to teach. You can tell a baby Christian because they're spoon-fed and still on their spiritual bottom. You can tell a baby Christian because they can't tell right from wrong. You can always tell a baby Christian. But you can't tell them much. Amen? Amen. Dear Father, challenge us, Lord, in our souls that we might grow up. Reveal those elements, Lord, of childish spiritual behavior that we're hanging on to and give us the courage to set them aside to mature. And in that process, Lord, we know we'll not only enjoy it, but we'll give you praise for your work and your constant care as our Heavenly Father. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.